world-class media, this is World Class. I'm your host, Travis Chappell. Here on World Class, we combine value, entertainment, and behind-the-scenes insights to bring you the most comprehensive view of what it takes to become world-class in what you do. Listen in every week as I have conversations with top business leaders, journalists, hostage negotiators, authors, comedians, producers, you name it. If they're the best at what they do, I'll have a chat with them. I believe that the best way to become world-class is to learn from those who already are. And that's exactly what we do here on the show. You'll learn the skills that you need to master, the mindset that you need to adopt, the work you need to put in, all from people who have walked the road before you. So get ready to learn, be motivated, and most importantly, have a good time because you're listening to World Class. Aubrey Marcus, welcome to the show, man. Thanks Thank a lot you, brother. for taking the time. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful Austin. So this was a very interesting interview for me to prepare for because um, I usually have like a definite direction that I want to take an interview. But when I started thinking about the different things that I wanted to talk to you about, it just, the list seemed to keep going on and on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it was just first of all, thinking about the book and then health and then the open relationships, psychedelic spirituality on it, podcasting. There's so many different realms. So, And um, weirdly, they're all related, <laughs> but maybe we'll find that place at that the end works. of the day. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the goal here, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so let's build some context first, and then we'll kind of just jump in and see how many things we can cover in the period of time that we have. So um, first of all, can you tell us what it was like growing up? For Aubrey Marcus, like eight-year-old Aubrey, bring us back to that point, household, parents. Well, I always felt really blessed because my parents split when I was two. And a lot of people might think, oh, well, that's too bad. That must've been hard. No, it wasn't. It was freaking awesome because I had my mother who is a professional tennis player, my stepfather who was a SWAT team squad leader and one of the most physically masculine expressions of a human I could ever imagine. My father was a commodities trader and my stepmother was a naturopathic doctor so i got this wide gamut of experience and personalities and mentorship um, along with my grandmother and a lot of other key people and i really think you know that's shaped some of my own understanding having four parents instead of two Mm. really a deeper understanding of how it kind of does take a tribe to optimally raise a young human with the kind of fluidity and mentorship that's available from so many different people. So I always felt blessed for that. And I also knew that I had, um, I had, I had something that I knew I wanted to give to the world and I didn't know exactly what that was. And I explored a million things, but I knew that I had a message, an idea, uh, something that I wanted to deliver. And, um, you know, I think as I grew older, that developed into more frustration because I couldn't find it and I didn't know what it was and I would beat myself up. Well, I should have figured it out by now, but I didn't. So I was always exploring, looking, and and ultimately figuring out that I wasn't ready yet. I wasn't Mm -hmm. ready yet to really deliver that message because my message is so holistic. It is talking about so many different ways to learn through resistance, through information, through practice, through experience, and uh and you know jumping to what i said at the beginning that is the common thread between all of these things all of these are ways to optimize yourself physically mentally emotionally and spiritually so do you think that will have a big play into how you raise a family in the future this is something that's on my mind a lot because my wife who's sitting right over here for those of you listening um is about 17 weeks pregnant right now and obviously not something that 
I researched a ton <laughs> in the last couple of years is like how to parent or whatever. So do you think that that way that you were Just raised... how to make babies. That's all that you've <laughs> yeah, been researching yeah. repeatedly. Correct, correct. <laughs> yeah, I'm well versed, the I'm well of versed my mind. in the how to make them. <laughs> Not very well versed in the how to, how to actually bring them through to fruition. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's absolutely shaped my understanding. And I mm-hmm. think if you look back historically and anthropologically, I mean, the raising a child with two parents was not the norm but it's become the norm and the expectation and i think obviously that's superior to one parent you know one parent that's a real challenging go it's giving one aspect one expression of polarity one expression of knowledge and understanding and habits and so so much respect and appreciation for those doing it with one and those doing it with two and i think as i look at it you know my focus is building a community that can have all of those extended people in the soul family helping to contribute to the raising of the child because you know while i had step parents which is one construct which exists trying to and that was kind of accidental that was just because my parents couldn't work it out they wouldn't like intentionally saying hey we'll have more mentors Mm -hmm. for young aubrey and we'll split up and that will help us it it was just that didn't work and they found somebody else but i think intentionally creating a bigger network of people to raise a kid i think that would be should i choose to go down that path and devote that amount of energy kind of focus that amount of energy on one young soul or two young souls uh certainly i'll be calling in for all the help i can get so one or two huh not uh six or seven. Oh, definitely <laughs> i mean uh, there's so much of my message that's about you know one to many and about mm-hmm. how i'm already in communication with so many different people and even this mastermind that i'm starting soon the fit for service mastermind that's going to be a fellowship of people where i'm devoting so much of my energy and attention to elevating the possibility potentiality consciousness of a wide group of people through actual physical interaction and through my mentorship and i do feel that you know people at an advanced level of consciousness in just age just growing up and just being able to have the brain handle that it's one of the best ways that i can contribute to the good of all so balancing that with you know the developmental stages which i know i can also contribute to but just knowing where i can give my medicine the most effectively and if i had seven kids pretty much that's all going to young adults right right and it's going to take away from what i'm able to give to grown adults of all shapes sorts sizes so you bring up uh, your mastermind can you tell us a little bit more about that just details <clears throat> on when it starts how long it's going to be what's what's included in that yeah i think really the idea is that human beings are happy and happiest when they're acting with purpose when they know their why and they're delivering something greater than themselves Mm. you know and they're and they're acting on behalf of something greater than their own greed or their own ego or their own personal benefit but in order to do that to really act in service of others you have to be fit for service so it always starts at home and so the program is really focusing on how to be personally fit mentally fit emotionally fit and spiritually fit some of that i cover in the book but this is taking it way beyond where the book is going because it's going to have direct interaction all the coaches that i can bring and in those actual physical interactions when we meet at these different summits around the country and going to tulum as well so in some ways around the world um, but it's just taking a group of people through that whole process a process that i've learned through experience and information and mentorship and trial and error with the goal being to get people in a place where they're in the most capable spot to deliver their medicine 
to the people they want maybe that's just the small group of people around them their family or maybe it's a bigger group or maybe it's the world at large you know there's so many different people from people with thousand person companies to people just starting out on their own so it's going to be a real wide gamut but the common thread is getting yourself in a position where you have enough abundance of time energy resource mindset emotional control you know spiritual centering physical energy you know mental processing that you can really give your gift to the world in the most effective way is that a limited amount of people i assume you got to go somewhere to apply you, you go yeah you go to aubreymarcus.com slash fit for service okay. and um, there's an application there and we're reviewing the applications and making sure that you know kind of your mindset is right to join this fellowship and uh, mm. be of the most good yeah so and when does that start that starts january 1st okay um there's going to be enrollment so there's four different segments it's going to go physical mental emotional spiritual and if you miss the january 1st cutoff then you have to start we don't have to but you have the opportunity the invitation to start at the mentally fit and go mental emotional gotcha. spiritual physical because it's all going to be cyclical okay and uh, for those people who want to stay in longer we'll just evolve and advance all of those different characteristics because as we all know there's always more to learn <laughs> definitely definitely so this uh aubrey is the build your network podcast we talk a lot about networking connections relationships um you have built some relationships with awesome people and it seems like there are also awesome relationships. And so uh, I listened to an interview that you did, I think it was with um, Tim Ferriss, where you talked about starting on it and the Alpha Brain product and getting to know Joe Rogan and that whole relationship. Um, so I kind of want to dive into that, but first to kind of get this conversation headed in this direction, this is, the con this is the question that I ask everybody that comes on the show, which is, do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? who you know or what you know what is more important i think probably the most important thing is knowing yourself mm. and if you know yourself it becomes pretty easy to know other people and develop those relationships and also it's probably the most important what that you can know and because to really know yourself is one of the most challenging things mm. and really understand and be in full awareness of all of those subconscious unconscious motivations those greeds that are pulling you one way those needs for validation that are pulling you another way all because all of that applies universally and then i think utilizing all of the tools available to help you figure out who you are and what you are and how you serve that's probably the most crucial element and then everything else kind of unfolds from there so hmm. that's how i would modify that question yeah so follow-up question to that if if assuming that you've done the work the internal work to really know yourself and you have a, a mission and you know your purpose your why if you were going to choose one thing in 2019 let's say to spend a lot of time on building quality relationships or um getting much better at your craft which of those two would you spend more time on again it's uh the quality relationships come from having quality that you can offer as value mm -hmm. and then quality that you can exchange the ability to give and see and like receive in return like that is the basis of a relationship it's mm -hmm. an exchange and that exchange could be through laughter through smiles through compassion through understanding through information so the relationship because when you actually have that and that's intrinsic you don't have to like work 
hard on the relationship the relationships can flourish and mm. reach a level of depth fast you know like i have friends who are very close friends and very important contacts mm. and we can go a long time without seeing each other but within the first few minutes of seeing each other again or reigniting a call we're already into the deep waters mm. you know we're already like we see each other deeply we know what each other stand for we've been through you know deep conversations and in some cases challenging rituals or hard workouts or through the difficult and the celebratory times of life so it becomes easier to maintain and hold those relationships without having to invest a bunch of time so really again it's if you're in the right state to be able to give and receive with that person then it's not about making that a focus that's just going to happen naturally you're going to attract people who are ready to engage with that type of relationship that's going to be of mutual benefit and reciprocity mm. so with this particular story that i mentioned earlier um how, how did that relationship come about like would it, would it be ridiculous to say that a lot of um a lot of the success that on it has seen has been through you being open-minded to like building a real relationship with somebody who had influence to be able to market the product or would you say that like the the quality of the product really did it by itself and then you like really brought those relationships in afterwards in this case my relationship with joe rogan was a friendship and this was a two-year friendship that didn't have a particular purpose mm -hmm. and then we kind of co-created and dreamed into this idea of creating alpha brain together and no doubt you know he was the single most influential factor in the success of alpha brain but could it have could it have worked if the product wasn't awesome and it wouldn't stand up to the clinical testing rigor that it subsequently went through with the boston center for memory like two double blind clinical tests the product had to be that good yeah so i had to know the information i had to lean on the research lean on the resources and test it and prove it against placebo so the product had to be good but shit i mean how many people would have heard about it if it wasn't for joe at the start and how many other influencers who have been attracted you know he was that catalyst he was that initial wave of momentum and um you know alpha brain was the surfboard that allowed it to go otherwise i would have just been chundered and smashed on the coral somewhere and not only would that relationship probably have struggled and soured if i said hey i can do this and i couldn't do that mm, yeah then yeah maybe we still would have been like casual friends and whatever right. see him in a comedy show but that actually strengthened it because uh, we were able to combine that relationship with something that was really of quality yeah did you um when you when you first started getting to know him was like how, how did you even come across that like path or opportunity to so find a lot of people um you know good people just don't find themselves in opportunities often um meaning like they're maybe not in the right vehicle or they they just don't get those things thrown in front of them and they just struggle with figuring out how to how to put themselves in those types of opportunities how have you found throughout your career you've been able to put yourself in those opportunities well i've done enough of my own work and research and learning and the knowing of myself that i present an interesting individual for someone to connect with hmm. like i have something to offer and it doesn't matter if i'm sitting across the table here from tim kennedy and he's talking about the crazy challenging things and he's one of the top special forces ufc mma number four in the world middleweight like one of the most 
incredible human beings in that expression that I've ever known and put himself through as much physical hardship and as much stressful as many stressful situations as any human being but I can sit across from him and say this is what happened in this you know sweat lodge ritual this is what happened in this ayahuasca ritual this is what happened in this particular training circumstance or this challenge and we can even though we come from wildly disparate backgrounds we can look at each other and acknowledge the learning and the understanding that we've gained from our own particular path Hmm. and look at each other and say hey brother i see you and it's it's that thing that i think was able to create the friendship with with joe it was like i had been on a vision quest since i was i was at that point like 30 31 somewhere around there um 30 i think maybe even 29 but i'd been on a vision i went on a vision quest when i was 18 and i'd been on this personal deep challenging introspective journey of experiential spirituality and psychedelics and understanding and philosophy and i was a philosophy major in school and and on that path rigorously for so long that when we met for a 30-minute coffee it turned into a four-hour dinner Mm. right because there was enough to exchange yeah um so i think again it kind of goes back to that same thing these opportunities may be there and you have to like actively create them like i had to actively create the circumstances that would give me a chance to sit with coffee with joe because i went to his comedy shows mm. and we'd like say what's up after the show but in that context in that relationship nothing i'm going to say when he has me as fan hey here's fan i got 300 of them right you know there's no there's it really isn't an opportunity mm. and like when someone like runs into me and is like hey i got this new cbd thing check it out i'm like yeah cool see you later you know but like (laughs) that's not really an opportunity right like really an opportunity is developing a degree of mastery in something and then in in mastery in yourself and offering that relationship and then from there seeing what other things will develop yeah i love that you brought that up because that's kind of one of the directions i was looking at taking this conversation um i talk a lot about networking and connections relationships all that kind of stuff and something that a lot of people say around this topic is be interested, not interesting, right? Like get to know the other person. But what I've found over doing 200 plus interviews on the show now is that a lot of the people who it seems that networking comes naturally to are interesting people, like what you were just saying, right? So you were interested, but you were also very interesting. There's a lot of things that you had to talk about that would just like pique somebody's interest or capture somebody's attention, just like saying the stuff that you just said isn't just normal conversation you know vision quests and experiential ayahuasca journey like that's not part of normal conversation it, it kind of is now but in, back in 2000 it, it, well, yeah, back in exactly. 2010 it wasn't you and know? kind of is in your world too right, right? like right. me coming from so quick context here too and especially for people listening as well um, i come from like a really religious background so grew up um in a baptist church we were church three days a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday dancing? night. Dancing? Oh, no dancing. Oh, we get not that kind of Baptist dancing. church. Yeah, yeah, no, we get demerits. No, literally, we get like 15 demerits, I think, for dancing. Demerits. Yeah, so uh, in high school and college. Uh-huh. Um, so very ultra-religious. So like all of this stuff was totally brand new to me. Like I sure. graduated college on the same campus that I graduated kindergarten from. Oh, wow. So from the time I was three years old as like just going to church. I started going to the school on the same campus, then to the college on the same campus. So my entire world was in this bubble from the time that I was three till probably three, four years ago, to the time I was about 22, 23. And so 
me coming into this, like my first exposure to any of this kind of talk about any of the stuff that you were just talking about was actually you. Um, I think I just, I think it was actually just listening to an interview that you did on Tim Ferriss's show. Um, and I found the networking part really interesting. And then I started following your stuff and everything else was really interesting. And then I came out to your mastermind that you threw probably two, three months ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, kind of jumped into that full force. <laughs> and, uh, it, yeah, it's been very, very interesting to me to kind of to kind of start into this, but I say that just and to I say And I gave you no demerits for the ecstatic dancing. <laughs> yeah, no demerits, yeah. The ecstatic dancing was an experience. Yeah. yeah it, it honestly was, was, it was difficult for me because I come from a background of no dancing or you get right. demerits, so I have like no rhythm, right? So like, I don't I know how to dance do. at all. I you bet know? you do. <laughs> It's in there somewhere. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Trying to trying to make its way out, I guess. I don't know, but um, so it was an experience. But uh, I, I say that just to say that you know, in in your world, it might seem normal now to talk about that kind of stuff. But I appreciate you and the work that you're doing because for people like me, it was not normal at all. And prior to six months ago, I had no idea what ayahuasca even was, you know. Um, and so, kind of going along the same route. I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this because I find this whole topic really fascinating just because of the way that I, that I grew up. Um, I find a direct correlation between somebody's first spiritual experience and what they believe for the rest of their life, which is why most people never really leave the religion or mindset, whatever you want to call it, that they grew up in. Um, so how do we challenge our belief systems with like a healthy amount of skepticism without completely abandoning the spiritual side of our being? Well, I think there's uh, one of the challenges with religion is religion has been placed above having authentic spiritual experience. Mm. And some people can get that in an absolutely religious context where they get a genuine spiritual mystical experience, that feeling of union with god or union with the divine or union with all life itself however you want to feel it it's this transcendent experience mm. that i wouldn't say is universal amongst all people in all religions i think relig the religiosity of it has kind of made it just a, a program it's more ceremony than substance and i think if you're in that situation and it's fear and expectation and habit and momentum that's keeping you in those patterns, I encourage you e either through your faith or outside of your faith to try and find and feel and know that direct contact with divinity. Because I think that is, I think, and that divinity can be felt with, within as well as it can be felt without. Like mm -hmm. that could be tapping into your own higher truth and understanding and knowledge and love and consciousness, or it can be felt externally as something that you might call God. But either way, the direct experience of it is essential. And that direct experience will inform all the language, all of the understandings, all of the constructs and paradigms, but the direct experience is primary. Okay, so this one has been a long time coming and I'm excited to announce the launch of my new company, World Class Media. I've been doing podcast coaching and consulting for individuals and businesses for the last couple of years and over the last few months, I just haven't been able to keep up with the requests. So in order to serve more people, I've decided to stop taking on coaching clients and start an agency that creates a done-for-you podcasting solution as well as monthly production and repurposing services. So if you are a business owner, coach, consultant, entrepreneur, real estate investor, whatever it may be, then a podcast should be be the most powerful business development tool in your arsenal. 
Imagine having something that is constantly engaging your ideal client, even when you're sleeping, or that allows you to connect with the top people in your industry to build your network and establish credibility, or that allows you to help listeners that are currently outside of your sphere of influence, or that helps you get book deals or speak on more stages or create content once that we can repurpose and distribute across all the platforms for you. That is the power of a world-class podcast that's done the right way. So if you're interested in starting a show, but you just don't have the time, the resources, or desire to figure out all the tech stuff, the hosting, the equipment, the platforms, the production, then you just focus on what you do best, which is serving your clients and running your business. And then let my team focus on what we do best, which is creating world-class chart-topping podcasts. Let's at least hop on a call and chat about it because I'm fairly picky with the people that I work with. And I only work with people who I genuinely think are going to be able to absolutely crush it with a new show. So head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And we'll chat real soon. You said that you were on a spiritual experiential journey from the time that you were 18. Was that something that you consciously decided or was this something that was kind of in your past growing up? Like how did how did all that play? Well, my that? father was trying to find ways out of the own his own prisons of his mind, his okay. own traps and the own ways that This is your biological father. My biological too. father. And he stumbled upon the psychedelic medicine, you know, ritual path. And he just offered that to me as a rite of passage when I finished and graduated high school. Hmm. And uh, I was somewhat terrified, but decided like, all right, let's go. And I was actually at the time kind of a pretty devout atheist, hmm. uh, you know, um, you know, basically like um, really focused on what science had to say and materialist, reductionist kind of approach of... Yeah humanity because i i'd been exposed to religions and i didn't find any kind of affinity or understanding with them as a philosophy that i felt was held true enough for me to to follow it and it wasn't giving me any direct spiritual experience so i was like all right screw it i'll try but i went into this experience an atheist and felt my body evaporate in what could only be called my consciousness or maybe my spirit or maybe my soul depends on the language and vocabulary you want to use emerge and I was like, oh shit, I had a lot of things wrong about my atheist viewpoint. Like there is something more to life than just the cells in our body. You know, there's something that's animating this life form. There's something behind it that's connected to all things. And when I had that direct experience, that direct knowing, then I was like, well, now I got to start looking and I got to start looking inside myself. I got to look through more experiences like this and I got to start looking in other philosophies, religions, experiences for you know more information about what i actually felt myself yeah because that, that's the whole thing right is like nobody can tell you that you didn't experience what you knew that you experienced right? right so like other people might be able to say or talk into that conversation right and say well there isn't a god or there is a god or it's actually his name is allah or whatever you want to say but bottom line nobody can go back and take that experience away from you so once you had that inside of you you immediately were just like there's something more to this i want to know what that is yeah would you recommend people start at the same place that you started no um some people might and in the right set and set i had a, um, just an amazing set and setting i had a beautiful shaman in the mountains and it was a beautiful setting and she had a long history and tradition of offering these ceremonies and it was really an ideal setting for that initial vision quest. Mm. Um, that's hard to find 
that's hard to replicate that exact thing it is a path and if that's available to you and if that's calling to you or even if you want to take the precautions and read someone like jim you know fadiman's psychedelic explorer's guide or you know do some of the more medical protocols that are being offered by hefter usona and maps for some of the psychedelics that are available now that are ultimately going to be approved by the fda hopefully 2021 somewhere around there there's going to be opportunities but really i think it starts with some other experiential practice and that would probably be meditation flotation ecstatic dance you know holotropic breathing or shamanic breathing or some other experience that helps alter your state of consciousness without the use of any type of plant psychedelic or medicine and would ayahuasca be the first one that you would start with nope <laughs> i mean it could be it could be but it's not like what i would recommend in general, though yeah it's yeah it's not be. it's not like i would be like yeah definitely it might be it might be the absolute right thing yeah you know it, it very well might again it depends on what where you are whether you're called to it whether it's the right set and setting but if anybody's going to do ayahuasca but they've never been in a float tank a sensory deprivation tank or they've never been meditating and they've never done yoga and they've never done ecstatic dance and they've never done shamanic breathing and be like i don't know man i mean i'd knock some of those out first mm -hmm. you know i'd like get used to the easy ways to get into altered states of consciousness and actually start to work through some of that stuff mm -hmm. or even just practicing working through the resistance that comes naturally in life like taking a cold bath like wim hof is famous for saying cold is an emotion and it really is you know i have mm. a i have an ice bath at home and it's 38 degrees and damn that's cold <laughs> right but when i get out every single time i feel freaking amazing yeah amazing so recognizing that when i'm going in all right there's a physical sensation that's uncomfortable but really what that is it's an emotion it's an emotion of fear and protection that's kind of coming up so the practice of working through that emotional resistance and surrendering to the thing that i know is of benefit to me that's helpful too you can you do that with heat as well you know a sweat lodge is the ceremonial version but spending time where you you know just safely but push it a little bit in a sauna or a steam room or a hot bath hmm. and and practice some of those things first because you know ayahuasca is a trial by fire sometimes it's really chill and sometimes it's going to throw you up against your greatest deepest darkest fear and you have to have some training to help you that you can rely on a breath work practice a movement practice a, a practice of working through resistance of tackling the kind of issues that might come up in your mind that's going to be really helpful do you find that personality plays into it at all for sure i mean you are your personality is an expression of the collected set of ideas personal history beliefs everything that you hold and your natural tendencies towards aversion or towards projection or towards escapism or towards addiction or towards whatever whatever these things are these are all going to be things that you have to confront so you know personality there's some light elements of it like your the way you smile and the jokes you make and the you know mm. kind of things but there's also deeper versions like what is what is your safe place what do you do when things are hard what do you do when you're afraid do you get angry and the anger creates distance are you is that is that your escape or do you shut down and block out the rest of the world and armor up are you an armor are you like an armadillo or are you like a wolverine are you like like what is the, what is your nature hmm. and like really asking questions about who you are 
because that stuff's going to come up and then being able to track that like awareness of those patterns is really crucial so we've touched on discovering who you are and that kind of a thing a few times now in this conversation if that concept to somebody listening is just completely foreign where do they start i think again it's um you have to get still and you have to be curious and like ask yourself why you're doing what you're doing ask yourself why you're if you're stressed out it's not like i think a lot of the paradigm is like oh you're stressed and anxious oh, take this pill you know we'll fix that yeah. but at some point you got to ask yourself why mm. you know like i always i have this theory that it's not marijuana that makes you paranoid and anxious it's that it reveals your natural paranoia and anxiousness that's already there right so like we have this kind of idea that oh it's this thing that's making me this way but really if you get curious then you might understand well actually i have this desire to please everyone and it's putting constant pressure on myself and i'm trying to adulterate and manipulate my speech to get people to like me because i'm worried that people don't like me and i'm worried that i'm not enough and i'm worried that i need love externally when really i should be looking for it internally so you have to get curious inquisitive and quiet and I think those practices that I've kept mentioning, meditation, yoga, flotation, dance, all of these things are ways where you can get your mind still, flow state, breathing, get your mind still enough to start asking the right questions. <clears throat> and we talked a little bit about the, the ice bath thing to kind of be one of those practices. Um, what are some of the actual benefits? I'll, I know a lot of people that are proponents of them. Um, but don't really know like why they do it just kind of like oh i heard is good so i do yeah. it. <laughs> what what are a couple of the reasons well you can feel it you can feel the state shift and that's i think one of the one of the important things to say is like this is you we can go into actually what's happening and we can do that a little bit it's going to raise your norepinephrine which is a hormone which is going to be um going to drop your natural cortisol levels which is your stress hormone so it's going to reduce stress in the body it's going to cortisol is also linked to your inflammation response it's going to and so is norepinephrine it's going to lower your inflammation it's going to lower the stress that's in your body but you're going to feel it you're going to feel a different way and plus you're just going to have that courage and the knowing that oh wow i can push myself through those hard things i'm not going to always make the comfortable choice and so it's a combination of those actual physical adaptations um and you know cold shock proteins and there's a whole thing like you know dr Rhonda patrick would do a better job going through all that and mm -hmm. i list a bunch of those actually in chapter two of my book on the day as well mm -hmm. but really like you got to feel it you got to feel it and then come out and know like oh wow i'm a different person now yeah <clears throat> i think the <clears throat> excuse me this the last thing that you said there was what resonated with me the most so when i when i read your book which by the way awesome job on that thank um, you definitely the most holistic book that i've ever read in my life mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're listening to this i highly recommend picking up a copy um the when i first read that part about the the cold stuff um and read what exactly was happening in my body okay all that's good and fine but you don't i i didn't I, you, don't, you don't feel all those things individually happening right all you feel is i'm really cold right now <laughs> mm -hmm. um and i want to not be cold anymore um, so I think the biggest benefit that I've gotten from, and I, I do, I don't do the submerged ice bath thing, but I do the cold showers now. Mm -hmm. um, whenever I shower, it's pretty much cold, just all the way cold. Awesome. And uh, when when I jump in the shower, 
the the most empowering part of it is when I get out and I shut the shower off and I realize that like I just did something really difficult. Like it mm -hmm. doesn't seem like it's that difficult. Oh, I took a cold shower. Okay, whatever. Why are you doing that? Like that's the first reaction that people have, right? But when I get out, it's like a this empowering feeling of I've already done something that's hard on a to-do list and now it sets me forward for the rest of the day. The people who actually do cold showers and do cold baths, you know, they're not the ones who are saying, oh yeah, no big deal. That's not hard. What are you talking about? Because <laughs> everybody who's actually done it knows that it's hard. Yeah. You know, like once you've experienced it, you know it's hard. It's easy to throw stones and say, oh, whatever, that doesn't matter. It's trivial. Okay, do it. <laughs> <laughs> do it. Do it when you're in Chicago or do it when you're in New York. Do it when it's somewhere real cold. Oh my gosh. I was literally just in New York a couple yep. weeks ago. Actually, actually I was at Entrepreneur thing. Live. Mm -hmm. um, that that you were just speaking there, and uh, jumped in the shower there and turned on the water. Different it thing. Was, oh my goodness, it was very very cold. Yeah, <laughs> it's a different thing. <laughs> and even in Vegas, like in the summertime, when I started doing it, it was like the first time I did it was at my house in Vegas, right? And it was in the summertime, pipes were warm, all that kind of stuff. So even the coldest setting in my shower was like, okay, this isn't too bad. And then I went to the gym, and for whatever reason, the gym water was way colder. And it was like, oh, I see. Oh, <laughs> I get it. oh yeah. okay. <laughs> this, this is a different game now. <laughs> yeah. And then in New York, it was even more different. But now it's in Vegas, and it's cold in Vegas now. Yeah. Well, cold as it gets in Vegas. And uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a very challenging way to start the day. Mm -hmm. um, what are some other things that you can do at the beginning of your day to really get you going? Well, I think there's three things that you want to focus on in the morning to set your day up right. You're going to want to expose your body to some light. I think that's one of the key things because that's going to start your circadian rhythm and that's the signal to the entire body that oh it's daytime it's time to wake up and in places where it's cloudy having some kind of light source that you can use to expose your body to light there's these cool light emitting earbuds that you can get or there's some lights that you can get there's different things but exposing your body to as much light as possible sunlight is best is going to set your circadian rhythm getting some kind of movement is another signal that okay body it's time to time to be awake it's time to move from the melatonin production of the evening to the other waking hormone states that your body needs to get to and but probably the very first thing you need to do is hydrate because you lose over a pound of water overnight so rehydrating with ideally some quality spring water with a sprinkle of sea salt you know one to three grams of sea salt which is going to provide the electrolytes and those kind of micronutrient minerals that your body needs to fully rehydrate to stock the shelves so to speak so that you can have all of the nutrients available for all the complex chemical reactions that keep us in an optimal state that's three of the most important things you can do upon waking up what about going to sleep going to sleep you know that's uh that's an interesting one yeah. there's a lot of tips and tactics around that obviously again talking about melatonin production the more light you're exposed to at night the harder it's going to be for your body to produce melatonin you can get supplemental melatonin we offer it in a spray if you're just going to know that you're a late night computer guy you can also wear blue blocking glasses because it's actually the blue light that emits that and you can actually get apps for your computer like flux or things like that so light is one thing anything that's um really stressful you're going to want to pare down and kind of wind down to mm -hmm. connection with your lover or connection with yourself or reading a book or kind of create that kind of rounded edge into sleep but i think the most important sleep advice that i can give is to not consider that sleep has to be in one one point only like it's only at night and i think having this more biphasal nap approach to sleep and understanding that getting a 30 minute nap or getting an hour and a half nap 
is as important as getting that extra bit of overnight sleep and naps have been shown over and over in clinical research to be even more beneficial as far as cognitive performance and a lot of markers than additional overnight sleep so allowing the body to rest when the body is signaling rest not just slamming more coffee down the system and fighting through and um, trying your best to get to sleep so just taking a longer term approach and looking at how much sleep you're getting in a week rather than how much sleep you're getting in every single night that was probably my favorite part of the book yeah <laughs> gave me an excuse right? to take a nap every yeah once totally <laughs> yeah. um if you, if you if you know me i'm a i'm definitely a sleeper i like my sleep but i like the part in the book that you talk about where you talk about how don't let anybody f- make you feel guilty for sleeping mm-hmm. and that was like me my entire life right it's like everybody oh you're taking a nap again oh do you ever do anything you're always mm-hmm. sleeping it's just like man that's such such music to my ears to hear that taking a nap is actually pretty good for you <laughs> it's, it's crucial <laughs> but we have this myth that you know your productivity is linked to the amount of time that you spend working mm. it's bullshit yeah you know it's like how much energy and capacity and creativity and passion can you put into the work product because i don't work necessarily more than anybody even though i have all these things going on but when i do work i'm able to summon occasionally a superhuman amount of productivity in a short amount of time which requires ample rest in order Mm -hmm. for me to do that you know otherwise i would be working all the time it'd be 16 hour days over and over and over again because i'd just be kind of distracted and fidgeting my way through and stimulating and but when it's time to work i can produce and that's because i you know mind the balance of getting my body into that truly optimal state so that the magic can happen yeah, you have a lot of stuff going on. You do a great job, it seems like, from where I sit of balancing all of it. Um, but one thing that I really respect about you specifically is you, to me, there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. And sometimes when I sit down and have these conversations with people, I get this sense of like trying too much or it comes across as arrogance to me sometimes. And, uh, having confidence is one of the most important things to be successful at all in my opinion mm-hmm. um to to be confident in your ability to do something um, but i think that a lot of people let that cross over into arrogance too much can you kind of talk about the balance between the two of those and how you are as confident as you are but then totally down to earth and really really humble as well <laughs> i just get my ass kicked a lot you know like that's you can't be arrogant arrogant is arrogant is really an insecurity it's Mm. projecting something that you're not actually in belief that you possess or that you know so it's covering for something that you don't know about yourself well when you're actually Mm. putting yourself into the places where you're getting tested whether that's psychedelic medicine or open relationship or a savage workout or the coldest ice bath you can or the hottest sweat lodge you know safely of course be mindful of that don't push that too hard obviously there's bad cases in both of those examples but putting yourself in situations where you are testing yourself and opening your voice and being vulnerable to tens of thousands of people and all and speaking in front of that whatever whatever your moment of this takes courage you know then it's hard to be arrogant because you get your ass kicked a lot you know and um i think that's really the that's really the key the key is that okay you can think what you want about me i know what i've done and it's 
and I know, and I really respect what everybody else has done because we've all had our own journeys and our own challenges. Yeah. Um, but I don't need to try to be anything. I'm just, I know what I've been through and uh, I'm very honest about, yeah, sometimes it's worked out great. And sometimes it has not worked out great. Sometimes it's been just a giant nut kick fiesta <laughs> where I'm like one of those Shaolin monks that's just getting kicked in the nuts over and over again, except I don't have that placid look on my face. I'm rolling around on the ground and kicking and What's screaming like? and praying yeah. to God, you know, like, please help me. What is yeah. going on? So like you've been through that enough time, like showing up arrogant would be just foolish. Yeah, yeah. You brought up the open relationship part. Do you think that that's been a huge a huge um contributor to your inner feeling of like confidence in yourself it'd be like i'd be like asking like you're really strong do you think weightlifting has helped <laughs> you get strong <laughs> you know like this is this is like this is the resistance training this is weightlifting for your emotional mastery for your mental mastery for your insecurity for your need for validation for all of these things that you think that you know you know about yourself you don't until you feel the pressure of having the one that you love your special one your girl that thing that you've put all of this meaning and specialness into sleeping with somebody else and falling in love with them now you got to deal with some shit yeah. now you have to really confront all of these things and i'm not saying this is for everybody just like i'm saying i'm you know loading 500 on a squat rack or like half thor bjornson deadlifting a thousand pounds yeah that'll fucking snap your back like <laughs> don't just jump into this like don't just jump yeah. into a seven cup ayahuasca session either you know yeah. like be mindful open relationship is extremely challenging but taken in the context of resistance training for the psyche there's been nothing that's been more valuable because there's been nothing that's been harder hmm. you know like people people talk about this year and i got in this gnarly car accident you know split my face in half and whatever had several hundred sutures and i was in the hot what it was a freak accident right and i look back on 2018 and i was like oh yeah that was the easy challenge of the year hmm. because the hard challenges came from the challenges of my heart that came from the open relationship hmm. and that's where the real value i certainly learned some things from the accident and i certainly count that as a blessing but you know the physical pain and the physical healing it's actually kind of easy mm. compared to the psychic emotional healing that I've had to apply to myself to get through and learn and progress through the open relationship challenge. Do you remember what the catalyst was for that? Because you guys were in a traditional relationship, right? Mm -hmm. At first, and then and then you broke up and then changed it. Like, how, how did that come about? Was it for like the purpose of growth? No. I wish I wish I could say I knew that well enough. It mm -hmm. was for the it was for the purpose of just exploration, mm -hmm. really, and like understanding that fundamentally I had a desire to meet and exchange energy and experience other people. And sure, sexuality was a component of that, um, but also just that intimacy that you can get with someone that you're on that level of relationship with. That was something that I craved, and in the traditional monogamous container i would always find myself being somewhat like well i've already kind of expressed all of my magic everything that i have to really give and there's more but you know when you're with somebody new then there's this rapid like exchange of information that you're receiving and information that you're providing and so i really craved that experience mm -hmm. that yeah. ability to 
get in close with somebody and show them my own vulnerability but i also had look i mean if we're looking at it you know i had massive need for validation and there's you can get in these patterns where you can suck up all of the validation that someone has to give you because they're yours and you own them and they're already yours and you've already dried that up it's like when you got that one bentley in the garage and that bentley's not making you feel like you're 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 kicking ass again you go buy a rolls royce and it's like that makes you feel so i had some dark expressions that drove me to this so i don't want to think like this was all noble and all because it wasn't you (laughs) know but in hindsight you can see what it actually provided like i had no idea really then what i was in for you know i thought like ah, psychologically philosophically i understand this you know Mm -hmm. love isn't in scarcity it's in abundance and it shouldn't be possessive and this could be cool Mm -hmm. um but i didn't realize it couldn't have prepared you for the I couldn't first time me because that, i wasn't yeah. aware of how much i needed the validation of other people how much i needed to feel like the man mm. from somebody else through somebody else's eyes or through their mirror and their reflection i didn't know that yet yeah. until i went through this and then until my stable source of validation that thing that i'd sucked up and assimilated into my own body so i could stand and be like look at me i got whitney miller miss united states she's my girl blah 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 until that was threatened it's like well she's my girl but she's also a lot of other people's girl too so uh, i guess i can't use that as my sole validation and my understanding of what makes me special i gotta find that elsewhere i gotta find that intrinsically i gotta know who i am and know that that's enough and know that that's worthy without anybody else externally but i didn't know that shit then yeah but i know it now and that's part of what i talk about you know with this open thing it's a shitty way to just have sex with more people because it's going to take you through hell Mm. be like yeah you can get toast but you just have to hold a piece of bread through a burning house (laughs) like that's that if you want sex and you're going through open relationship like that's that's the analogy. I think everybody always looks at it for their benefit, right? They're like, oh, I, I'm going to go have sex with all yeah. those other people. Yeah. And then the first time it happens the other way, you're like, wait a second. That's just looking at the <laughs> let's, toast. Let's reevaluate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you tell a story that I think illustrates your point perfectly. And I think this is a good thing to kind of close on here, which is um, how you said Whitney was having a relationship with a guy that was like in MMA or something, mm-hmm. and it really challenged you internally. Can you tell that? story really quickly every person she's been with has challenged me internally (laughs) like there's not been like i don't think i've had like a fucking easy course because whatever it is all right so the mma you know i always did pride myself on my ability to fight Mm -hmm. you know and my that expression of you know male male alpha Mm -hmm. dominance in that way i've trained martial arts since i was four years old and i recognize that there was some people who could were better fighters than me yeah, but of not people who were better fighters than me they were having sex with my girl right you know so right. like i immediately went to the gym like oh that's what she likes she and, likes and a good fighter especially like in that form too because that's like the most primal exactly activity yeah men can engage in here we are you're having sex with my girl and you could kick my ass <laughs> if i said anything about it to you so exactly. great i'm in a great position here love that but you know conversely when there was also some pride that i had like oh wow Whitney's with an MMA champion. Like, look at her go. Look, I'm with a great, you know. And yeah. then she's just with a really ordinary guy, just a normal, usual guy. And I'm like, how dare you go with a usual guy? Like, yeah, yeah. That makes me feel less about myself, <laughs> you know. Like, so every you just single, brought my average down. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> every single person that I've ever that she's ever been with has been hard. Yeah. And like, it'll probably, you know, I'm getting better. And like, because you learn different patterns, like I learn, okay, MMA guy. All right, well, I don't 
need to go train MMA. That's not why she loves me. She loves me for the intrinsicness of me. Oh, she's with a rich guy. Oh, okay, I don't need to make more money. That's not why she's with me. You know, mm. even though you can take her on yachts and fly her in private, I can't do that yet. But that's okay. Mm. You know, oh, it's a normal guy. Cool. Enjoy the enjoy that. You know, like oh, it's with this person who has radical freedom and can just party and play all the time. Okay, cool. You know, like I can't do that, but enjoy that. Like. Yeah everything there's going to be some benefit that's the fucking point though yeah. you know the point is that you get to experience all this variety of different things so to get in my position where i can really be her teammate and be rooting for her and be like yeah cool i'm like stoked that you get to experience all these different things and i hope that you're stoked that i get to experience all these different things yeah yeah well listen man we i could literally talk to you for a really long time there's so many different routes we could take this conversation but we are running out of time, so let's go ahead and move on to the last segment, something really quick called the random round. Mm-hmm. Two quick random questions, quick random answers. You ready? Sure. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? <laughs> the thing is, I do. I have so many fucking professions. I'm a writer. I'm a podcaster. <laughs> I'm yeah. a CEO of Onnit. You pretty much attempt anything uh, you think would be fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, miss, I miss playing athletics hmm. where it mattered where yeah. people care there's, there's people yeah. watching there's stakes so what that's the only thing that i really think that i still miss totally is like that, yeah. having you play a lot of basketball i played right? a lot of basketball i miss yeah. like having fans and having people care about my stats and like yeah. having people care about the team win and having a team that we're communally going for in a physical expression of a sport mm-hmm. so that would be the only thing i would miss if you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour who would it be jesus and why I think that he called in a level of consciousness that was hadn't been seen or expressed before to that degree. And I don't know who he is, but my understanding is that he called in a level of consciousness mm-hmm. that was far beyond the level of consciousness that was available at the time and claimed the divinity that we all hold inside ourselves. But I think the understanding of the man has been mythified. Mm-hmm. And I think so talking to him about man tell me what you did in the desert like yeah. how is that like what are the demons you were wrestling with the 40 days of like, fasting yeah. how'd that go yeah. how was the first time you had sex man yeah. like like what like asking like and recognizing that this idea of this came out from this you know immaculate conception and his mom didn't even had sex and he didn't have sex and it was i mean i just can't buy that you know i can buy that he claimed a level of consciousness and divinity you know that was beyond anything that virtually anyone has ever achieved mm-hmm. and I, and but but what was a man like you know and who yeah. was that man like and um that would unequivocally be that first conversation how do you like to consume content books audiobooks blogs podcasts or videos books i think are probably the primary way i like listening to podcasts that are with an author that's summarizing a book and then i'll Mm. then i'll can kind of or like diving into a book because then i can explore that further yeah um but books have been my primary way to get content and i do it audio and i do it old school and i do it uh on the kindle what's what's one that you would recommend the most often you think it really depends on what someone's working on you know like there's if you're really trying to if you're trying to birth some creative enterprise i would recommend the war of art by stephen pressfield if you're trying to understand the nature of love and self-love it would be mastery of love by don miguel ruiz if you're under, trying to understand consciousness and emotional balance maybe it's eckhart tolle's a new earth if you're trying to understand the truth of who you are maybe it's the book of truth by paul selig 
you know so there's different things depending on what stage somebody is in and yeah. there's a whole gamut of recommendations i actually have a whole book review section on my blog at aubreymarcus.com give us a glimpse of your morning routine wake up hydrate sea salt water sometimes i throw in some of the honored electrolytes in there as well that has some extra magnesium um move around in some way shape or form a couple push-ups a little movement a little yoga sometimes a swim depending on the weather get some sunlight that's that and then if i'm showering in the morning turning that nozzle cold taking those deep breaths you know when i can put all of those things together and then adding in a low carb high fat high protein breakfast mm-hmm. whether that's a shake that i have here on it or whether that's something i cook um if i start the day off like that i'm feeling good for the rest of the day what is your go-to pump-up song you know that's funny because like spotify has kind of changed the game for me because i used to have like itunes playlists Mm -hmm. you know but now i kind of just like hit the turned up playlist on spotify (laughs) or like hit you know some other different things um so i don't know if i have like a pump-up song i think there's a lot of pump-up songs that you know i'm kind of finding and exploring and then i'll just wear them out and you know kind of allow that to come but music is so good and so available now it's just kind of a different thing what is something that you are not very good at life i don't know i mean like (laughs) fuck man Uh, so many things like what what am i good at i don't i don't know man i get my ass kicked all the time i don't uh what am i not very good at so mine is I'm a horrible laundry folder. And yeah, my, I suck my at that. Wife can I suck at that, that too. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there yeah. We go. there's a good one. I'm not. I'm not very good at that. Do you, <laughs> you ever do the she rolling? Do you ever do the rolling thing when you're packing? When I pack, yeah, yeah, you mm-hmm. kind of roll it up. Yeah, that, that's helpful. It seems to be more intuitive. Way for me. easier, especially yeah. the ones with collars and buttons and stuff. Yeah. You have to button them all the way because <laughs> like, I don't do button them all the way that? on the hand. How do the sleeves go? Yeah, what am I doing with this? that's like way beyond me i'm not i'm not very mechanical either like i have a tesla well unless i'm wrecking it into a (laughs) a fucking guardrail somewhere but i i mean i'm I'm not very mechanical someone asked me to like do the most basic thing with a car yeah i'd be like this is the the oil right (laughs) like can you give me a jump like well how high like what Uh, do you want what do you want i would love to but you're gonna have to help me out with some details yeah yeah so you're saying i have cables in my car can you hook it up what do i rev it like what the fuck you want me to do i don't understand it It doesn't make any sense to me oh i love it as we get everything wrapped up here man what is one place online where we can find you the most uh social is a great place to look for me at aubrey marcus on instagram is probably my most active personally curated space where i have my ideas thoughts clips of my podcast and then the aubrey marcus podcast that's um i put a lot into that as well so if you're following me on Instagram and listening to the podcast, then uh, you'll get to know me well. And of course, at Onnit, that's all the best tools that I've been able to curate uh, for human optimization. Perfect. Love it. If you want to check out more of Aubrey's stuff, definitely go give him a follow on Instagram and subscribe to his podcast. Lots and lots of great guests um, that are on there. They're actually coming up pretty soon. So highly recommend checking that out. Aubrey, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. I had a blast chat with you. Yeah, absolutely, brother. That was great. Well, that's it for this episode of World Class. World Class is hosted by me, Travis Chapel, and produced by Eric Skorzynski. It is a world-class media production. At World Class Media, we produce top-rated podcasts for seven to nine-figure entrepreneurs, executives, real estate investors, and content creators. So if you want your own show, you have the budget to create one, but you just don't have the time or the team to figure it out, then go to travischapel.com slash podcast. That's travischapel, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L.com slash podcast, And let's chat 
to see if we'd be a good fit to work together. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, peace out and stay world-class.